Monday Night Raw. Podcast from the Shadows. Blake, doing the damn thing. WWA. What's going on, y'all? Uh, where was we at last night for Monday Night Raw? Knoxville, Tennessee. Great city. Great people. A fun environment. You know, it was almost electric in the building. I'm going to start by saying I read on the dirt sheets that The Rock was going to be making an appearance in the opening segment. And I said, I'm not listening to that nonsense. And it turns out that I was right. So, moral of that story, stay the F off the dirt sheets. Anyway, we know how we closed out Clash of Champions. So we opened up Monday Night Raw. Part of the Universal Champion. Seth Rollins come out, greet the crowd, celebrate his win. And, uh, you know, speaking on his next opponent for the most part. Oh, we know it's The Fiend. Bray Wyatt jump on screen. Now we're here uh, for Bray Wyatt's mystique to remain intact. And it did indeed. I'll just say throughout the night, this man littered throughout the program. It was... And like at the toward the end of the show, it was just getting to be a bit much. Not from an uncomfortable standpoint, but more so from a all right, hold on, y'all. Don't worry. Like, don't hype the people up because yes, they're gonna love it when you know the lights go out and all of the fun sound effects and such like that. But we do want to be mindful that you know that aura of surprise. Like, if you know you've got a million dollars, you're don't you're not gonna try to go any lower than nine ninety nine ninety nine nine. You know what I mean? Like real. So, I mean that would be my only thing. The graphics were upside down after the promo segment. Hilarious, great stuff. The people all over the WWE universe, Twitter slow crow noticed it. I was thinking that maybe it was a mishap from the production truck side, but at the same time, you know, it's not these guys are professionals. They've been doing this. Pretty- decades now, so they're not just going to just toss anything in for no reason. Mr. McMahon wasn't backstage, apparently, and uh, we had my man uh, Paul Heyman in the Heyman Enhancement Era, attempting uh, his hand, being trusted with the keys to the ship, and I think he uh, represented Mr. McMahon well, and I mean, it wasn't a Mr. McMahon show, of course it was, but you know, you could, uh, you know, Notice the small uh, subtleties and differences. Either way you look at it, it was a good show in my opinion. We opened it up uh, well with Bray and Seth, you know, hyping up the matchup uh, for Hell in a Cell. And, uh, you know, it was just a good opening segment. Okay, what is this one now? It was a tag team summit. I don't really know what that was going to mean, but... Uh, I was interested to see where it went. It's brought out the Raw Tag Team Champions and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, even though both teams are uh, Raw branded. And uh, Ziggy and Robert Roode, along with The Revival, came out, talked about basically being the future of the division. This is pretty much all I saw. I was kind of excited, though, maybe these guys were going to go at it at first. You know, like, whoa, y'all got to put both champions against each other? Like, I hope nobody walks out of this looking weak, but both, well, all four uh, superstars are so good in the ring. I haven't been uh, too 
uh, verbal about the revival in a while, but my opinion of them does not change at all. I think they're excellent in-ring competitors. I think they're hilarious, and they just have, like, you can see their literal experience just as far as, like, uh, a packaged television product and a tag team. You know, they have experience, and they know what they're doing. So, you know, they are... They, they just have a just that feel to them when it comes to, you know, the show in general and really just performing. And Ziggy and Rude, look, man, Bobby Rude or Robert Rude, I believe, was in the main event segment. Great stuff. And Ziggy needs no introduction. And for now, in my opinion, needs no conclusion either. So I'm just happy to see all four of these guys get some opportunity with the TV time. And, you know, it was a good promo for the most part. Uh, Braun was backstage before the promo happened. Interviewed by Charlie. How you feel, Braun? Somebody's going to get these hands. She's pissed off. So, next person in ring. That's what he did. He ran down and beat up everybody. And I believe this brought out a... Uh, well, actually, no. Let's see that. <coughs> Excuse me. But no, Braun uh, was able to look strong. In the moment, I, I can really appreciate how... It's like, okay, well, what do we do with Braun? What, 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 what? He's, a, he's, you know, a large guy. He's a giant competitor. We don't necessarily want to see him uh, turn into the big show too fast. And that's no disrespect to big show at all, you know. But uh, I think that just having something for him to do and having him look strong and beat cats up, even though it's like, oh, this doesn't do anything for him leading toward the future. No, it keeps you. I'll keep some fresh in your mind as a very strong and serious competitor to take for real, you know. And when he does have a championship opportunity, even though he lost to Seth, get over it. Uh, there's totally other directions for him to go. And then how hard it, would it be? Like, let's just say, for instance, you put the United States Championship on him just because he's Royal Brandon. Uh, then how do you get it off of him? What, what, what has to take place? What types of shenanigans will have to go down to get a championship off of him? Go back to the match. At Class of Champions, he was kicking out at one with some huge moves. With that frost splash, kick out at one. First stomp, kick out at one. So it's like, come on now. You know, like, Braun is a, a unique character that when he does get a championship, shit, the only championship he had, he got taken away from him. Rules are rules. It's not our customs in America, but it's another thing over there, and that's fine. So, um... Yeah, I'm not upset about Braun coming through and uh, crashing the Tag Team Summit. I believe uh, well, multiple-time Tag Team Champion. Shouts to Nicholas. You know, he, he could damn near win them things by himself again. But you need a tag partner. So either way, just to come out, remind everyone what he's capable of, that's a good look for me. I thought it was a good segment. And um, let's move on into the next one. Uh, the OC takes on Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders. Um, what was it? The tag team turmoil, the tag team gauntlet. Viking Raiders, OC, or Gallows and Anderson. They both disqualified themselves just because of the fight. Got to see a little bit more of, I wouldn't say the normalization or the weakening, but you got to see what it looks like when the Viking Raiders are taking on an actual tag team, well-oiled machine in the OC, or Gallows and Anderson. And, man, Cedric and AJ, I mean, it's just looking like Cedric is trying to bring the fight. Granted, 
they just keep it, like they can't keep these guys off of each other as far as the storyline goes. They're just trying to fight. I think uh, Cedric realizes that he can take a form of offense to AJ, and uh, he's just taking uh, he's uh, throwing spaghetti at the wall with how to approach uh, uh, what is it, grizzled veteran in the United States champion currently. So I think that uh, him doing that is good, but AJ still having the experience, you know, and. You know, being just, uh, uh, what, I wouldn't say better or worse or anything like that, but just, you know, being a, a veteran superstar, you know, like he knows what to do and he's aware of certain moves because he has those moves in his arsenal himself, so he knows what to look out for and stuff like that, so it was good stuff. Styles Clash off the second rope, one of the uh, highlights of that segment, but... We're going to go ahead and throw it at 305 Live. I don't know if that's Eric or Ivar. I'm going to guess that it's Ivar, I do believe. Giant swanton. Front flip off the top rope outside of the ring. His landing looked crazy, but Jesus Christ. Was that form not great in the air for a man of his size? This is the stuff that I talk about, like, eventually one day, maybe, just maybe, and this is literally throwing the spaghetti at the wall. We can have these guys, him and Bron go at it when, you know, a little bit more uh, respect is established on both sides. And I mean, like, in a year or so, if things are continue going the way they're going for these guys. But all in all, I believe the OC picked up the victory. I think it was DQ. But um, either way, did they? No, no, no. Uh, either way, if it, I don't want to say wins and losses don't matter. But on this podcast, we're looking at a little bit more. With the character development, and I personally think that everyone here uh, was able to show out. Um, some craziness happened, I believe. Uh, was it Kane came out? Was it Kane that did the choke slam the gallows? Was that later on? Either way, I was paying attention to the show, but you know, it's just so fresh in the moment. So, part of me, I know Kane did not come out yet, but either way, it was still good stuff uh, from the OC. And uh, Alexander, along with the Viking Raiders, uh, good stuff. Wasn't upset about it. It's a good match for the most part. Cedric has one of the best sells on the phenomenal forearm to date. Too. Haven't um seen anyone else really sell it like that. The only other time I would say I could, re- I really enjoyed watching the phenomenal forearm. Was it the phenomenal forearm happen? No, no, no. But he faked Randy out on the ropes. Randy was going for RKO out of nowhere. Jumped, landed right on his back, and um, AJ hit the springboard for a 50. But those are back in babyface AJ days. So uh, I don't know if we're going to catch. Well, maybe we can catch AJ pull that, pull that off again. Just a toss out there. We'll see. But, um, yeah, like I said, all in all, a good match. King of the Ring finals. We finally made it, baby. Could we have put that on the kickoff show last night? I think... The match meant a little bit more, so I'm not upset that it, uh, you know, went down like that at all. So they saved it for Raw. It was a lot of matches on the uh, show at Clash Champions, so it's all good. It wouldn't uh, didn't like that, and plus they're spreading it out, and I like that. It's uh, filling in segments, it's filling in TV time, and I'm not I'm not mad at that. So uh, Baron Corbin, Chad Gable go at it. Corbin is on a roll right now. I don't want to pat myself on the back. I don't want to take any credit. You know what I mean? Like, the respect should be shown, you know, like, from wherever, you know, anyone is picking this up at from. But 
I definitely called it. Corbin got great hill heat. He got the potential to be a great hill. I've been saying this since sometime last year. And um, now we're seeing it. He's on a roll having great matches. He's really in there doing his thing. He's he's quick. He has he knows his spots, his cues, his moments, and he knows how to push the moves forward. So good stuff from Baron. We already knew what Gable was gonna come in there with. No, he's no slouch in the ring, great competitor. Uh these guys both went at it for a while. Uh deep six is one of the better moves of the match. Great kick out. Uh, Gable looked like he was completely out of energy. He was trying to take out the bigger, stronger competitor. And it just looked good. Ultimately, uh, what was, just that wild tilt-a-world type uh, position and leading into the end of days for Gable uh, propels Baron Corbin from just Baron Corbin, the lone wolf, to now King Corbin. Boy, oh boy, do I love the crowd getting trolled. Sometimes that good heat, you know, you can see that people are so really emotionally infected by the winner and the loser, and they did not want Corbin to win. Some critics on the internet so upset about Corbin picking up the victory. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, what is it? I heard, you know, we, we know that the King of the Ring uh, has been mainly held by uh, heel superstars in the moment. So maybe this could be. The first step to Baron Corbin being a baby face, but no, 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 not yet. That's still a long way off the road. I'm, I'm good with Baron Corbin doing this. We would like to see uh, the King of the Ring title get some prestige back. You could go ahead and listen to all the other critics and uh, bloggers and such like that that have had things to say about the former Kings of the Ring in the past. Well, well yeah, in the past couple of years, and. Um, I think that Baron Corbin has a definite shot with uh, really making that uh, prestigious title mean something again. He can run around with the scepter and the robe and the crown. I like Renee uh, on commentary. She's talking that superstition. Hey, this time around, it didn't work for Corbin. So now, because now he's king of the ring and he was running around with the whole crown on and all the get up. And he said it, and, hey, he called it, and it went down. Long time ago on Talking Smack. Long live Talking Smack. He said he belonged in the main event. He said he belonged. He was supposed to be a superstar caliber. Uh, well, pardon me. He was supposed to be a high caliber superstar. He should be respected. And now these years later, we definitely see that he's doing just those things, you know, and maybe not. Maybe he doesn't have a championship, and that's fine. I think right now he's best suited for that position as king of the ring. See what he could bring to the table. See how he, uh, you know, uh, you know, his character just brings different elements to the product as we go along. Tonight, SmackDown Live is the coronation, so it's going to be very interesting. Maria Kanellis. <laughs> has a gender reveal party. No, she's pregnant. Got some time is going by. Not able to know. And it's hosted by none other than the Street Profits. We got all of our favorite, uh, you know, 
WWE talents and characters backstage. Sorry about that. But it was hosted by the Street Profits. Good stuff. Titus backstage. Uh, Ryder Hawkins backstage. A uh, couple other people just having a good time. Who else? It was. I thought it was real fun to have uh, uh, Kayla and Sarah Schreiber backstage. Just for, just for the party energy, everybody. Just, just random. You know, so that was nice. But, um... Yeah, very fun. A good segment. They everybody's there and uh, playing along with the street profits, and it's like, yeah, you know, like these guys hosting. Shouts to um, gosh, I always almost forget these guys' names, but yeah, my man uh, Ford did his thing. Dawkins cut it. They they both doing their thing. They talking crazy on TV. I'm not gonna even dare repeat some of that fire, but you should go to one of the WWE social media platforms and go and catch that if you missed it. Because it was fairly entertaining. Uh, it had that real, uh, you know, official officiating, you know, feel to it. Like uh, the rev, the good reverend at the church. You know, people were playing along with it. It was good. Titus being like that uh, cool uncle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't go too hard on it. You know, just keep it light. But these things are uh, just great add-ons. Don't go too crazy. That's the key. Because these things can get still really fast, or faster than they would, just because of how the fans want. Well, let's just let's call it outrage culture. They all want to react to something, and oh man! But anyway, let's get to the goodies, please, please. Pardon the joys of fatherhood, but um, yeah, it was it was uh, good stuff. Uh, on to the real good stuff now, because. Oh my goodness, talk about provocation and getting the people going. Uh, Maria Canellas pops up. It's a boy. Woo! Yay! Congratulations. Excuse me. So, congratulations to the Canellas family. Outside of storyline. Inside of storyline. Oh, do you know who the father is? And I think there might have been small rumblings of who else the father could be. You know, she's been making reference to someone else being the daddy and such like that. And it's like, all right, well, we're all going to just ignore that and let this storyline continue to develop how it develops. It's Ricochet. What? Oh, boy. Everybody that I know that was just a shock moment. This is one of those times for me where it had Heyman enhancement error signature all over it like oh goodness <laughs> like just goodness <laughs> it was funny it was a good moment Canellis pissed off the guy that is mike the man in the relationship don't get it twisted maria is not the man in the relationship there's a lane so let's just play it but um yeah <laughs> mike Canellis want to see ricochet in the ring you know, Rico ain't trying to get, he ain't trying to pass that man no smokes. You know, WWE Street Profits on deck, so, you know. But he ain't trying to pass that man no smoke. I don't, you don't know if he can handle all that. Man, be on a somewhat losing streak where he only got two victories in, like, the past couple of months, I would even think about. I think, if my memory serves correct. But either way, what is it, maybe three matches. But, no, don't, let's not be mad at him. Either way, he goes down to the ring, takes on Ricochet, the fight. Gains. Uh, hey, Mike Canellas had somewhat of an early flurry of offense, and 
it was really based on Ricochet not wanting to take Static to him because he knew that if he was to turn up on him, even in the slightest, the finish could potentially happen. And that's exactly what took place. Ricochet saw his open and hit that recoil. Bang, bang, bang. One, two, three. Pin for the win. Ricochet picks up the victory. Commentary. Oh, commentary. Uh, one of the best lines came from Gravy for me. Uh, Michael asked what was going to be the name of the child. And uh, uh, he said, Chet. Which is like, ha! Because Ricochet, it would be Chet, which is a good name. So Chet Rico Canellis would be uh, the official name on that, which could be hilarious. But, you know, after he loses, Mike Canellis, that is, uh, out comes his wife. Thought she'd be able to motivate him. And, you know, wants to, you know, he's still disappointed that he's uh, being portrayed as such a disappointment. And I'll just say that he's being portrayed as that. We know Mike Bennett is an excellent in-ring superstar. Either way, uh, you want to know who the real baby daddy is? Everybody's like, what? Are you serious? It's not Dawkins, is it? Turns out that it is none other than Rusev. And everyone has their different ideas of you know, who he looks like now with this little mustache. You know, his Robert Roode mustache get up. Uh, the Bulgarian Houdini finally popped up. But no, I think he looks like a young Alex Trebek with the with the uh with the gym membership. And he's been taking advantage of it. But no, Ruru came out. No Lana. What? I mean, in storyline, if he's the daddy of the baby, then where's Lana? What? Do we get a Lana and Maria Canellis match sometime next year? That would be kind of cool. Just just to, you know, I think that's just me wanting to see a good cat fight. But whatever. Let's just get back to the show. Um, Mike Canellis ain't trying to fight. Look, man, I'm going through a lot, blah, blah, And then tried to run out the ring. Uh, Rusev wasn't having it, chased him down, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, just, just a beat down after that. Rusev tosses in the accolade and picks up the victory via submission. <sighs> uh, congratulations to Maria Canellas on having a child, or being with child. Uh, we hope the best for Mike Canellis. Maybe this would be something that'll, uh, you know, spark that fuse. Maybe light that flame for him. Uh, as far as the way he's being portrayed in the storyline, it looks like he needs a shot in the arm. I'm not here to say whether or not he's going to get it or not. I'm not here to say that he should get one or some sort of push or whatever. I'm just calling the product how I see it. And taking the L to Ricochet and taking the L to Rusev. Uh, man. He just got a win in the cruiserweight division. Maybe he could, uh, you know, go and try to get some of that singles momentum back. Uh, PP jokes and all the rest of that. I left it to commentary and uh, the guys backstage at the gender reveal party. So, yeah. But all in all, a very, very entertaining and provocative segment. All right. 24 segment or 24-7 segment. 
uh, R-Truth and Carmella, because these guys are at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville County, they're giving a grand tour of the beautiful city and the university by none other than Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. the devil's favorite demon, fresh out of the hellfire and brimstone with the right to swear in many, many local officials of the law came. Man, how, how, how awesome is that? And I mean, just as somebody that's been watching, you know, almost my entire life and growing up with some of these superstars, Kane being uh, one of the first recognizable superstars for myself, you know, it's uh, very, very cool to have, you know, just to see him in that light and be, you know, such a power player and, you know, have the WWE tenure. It, it was just really, really cool, you know, just like, wow, he's really the mayor now. And of course, you know, WWE does their thing to, you know, make something of it and put put a spotlight on it and make it feel feel important. And it totally did. You know, it was very nice to see uh, Mayor Jacobs, you know, back on WWE television in that light, in that fashion, and uh, eventually receiving the reception that he did each and every time from Knox County. It didn't feel like a cheap pop. It was like, look, yo, this is our mayor of the city. And I'm pretty sure he's proven to be uh, very mature. And like, I'm just proud to have, you know, you know, came back on TV like that because we we all know, like, after a while, you know, like, Lord Diminishing Returns, we ain't seen Kane in a while, and it actually been a little bit of something, whatever. He defeated R-Truth uh, for the uh, 24-7 championship, rode around in the limo. Truth was on top of the limo, though, later on, and was able to uh, get the title back. Shouts to R-Truth. And, um, yeah, all in all, it was, it was just a good spot for Mayor Jacobs to just be there. I thought that was hilarious. Just a, just a nice little spot in the show or whatever. So that was cool. The 24-7 segment was awesome. Ray Mysterio and Cesaro went at it. Shorter match than they had from last time, but they seemed a lot more comfortable uh, working with each other. Uh, you know, good stuff. Uh, I would give Cesaro one of the points of the match with just being able to uh, duck underneath while Ray went for uh, the maneuver that closed out to ma- closed out the match. Um, good stuff. The way uh, Ray was came up, you know, you would think that Ray would have figured out that he can't just continue to try to send time onto Cesaro with Cesaro being as uh, you know powerful as he is, but he continued to try it. And uh, Cesaro will hold them up in powerbomb position. But the awesome element to close out that match was, you know, Cesaro picking him up uh, to try to reverse the Hurricanrana. But Ray doing the whole uh, victory roll around and uh, going for that maneuver. I'm not really too sure what it's called. I can't remember now with all these years. But um, it was definitely very, very good. Ray picked up the victory. Cesaro looked good. Like always, you know, don't want to say just goes places to lose or whatever, but he's uh, fairly established as an in-ring, you know, competitor or superstar. So, yeah, good stuff from both. Uh, Ray still inspired. It almost feels like just the way they were telling the stories, like, all right, 
when is Dominic going to be ready to wrestle so I could just hurry up and retire? You know, that's what it sounds like. But uh, I'm pretty sure in time we'll continue to see Ray uh, develop as, you know, a veteran superstar. And it was good stuff. I can't wait to see who he takes on next. Now. Bailey and Sasha uh, beat the women's tag team champions and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Now, I had slight technical difficulties during that matchup with uh, the cable box so uh glad they won didn't get to see that match in its entirety i was a little upset about it you know keep the uh keep the anger channel i was upset just because i you know i i talk about the women's division all day i enjoy uh these women going out there and really just uh you know leaving it in the ring and practicing with each other and getting better so they can lead up to bigger matches in you know the future events so uh uh, Sasha and Becky going at it hell in the cell. We're going to see what they got lined up for Bailey. Part of the story right now is Bailey is a little jealous because she hasn't been able to uh, get the SmackDown Women's Championship as much, uh, you know, attention as Becky's been able to get it. That's a fair argument, you know, like Becky's been, uh, she's been on fire. And I mean, straight fire. No pun intended. I'm very proud of Becky, another one of those superstars that said she deserves this, that, and the third. She's supposed to have it. She should be. She's been around long enough. And, you know, we all seen it just like last night at well at Clash of Champions. We saw Becky in the same spot where the man was born with the broken nose or the broken face or how it worked. Had her and Sasha. They were both, you know, reenacting two great spots with, like, the, the banister spot with the submission hold and, Becky and her fighting up there. I forgot to bring that up in the recap. But these were good moments. Really good moments. And Hell in a Cell, Sasha got the experience in there. You know, she's already been in. She was a part of the first ever uh, women's Hell in a Cell matchup against Charlotte, what, maybe a year, two years ago. So um, she knows what she's getting into with that. And her and Becky, man, they both got a lot of fight. They got a lot of... Uh, a lot of a lot of fiery attitudes. So put these combustible elements in the cell because clearly they can't keep it in the ring and can barely keep it in the concourse. So I'm totally anticipating that. But this should totally uh piss Bailey off. I don't want to say with Sasha, but she's gonna need a rivalry ASAP. Now are we gonna do a rematch with her and Charlotte? Is there stipulation? Will there be? I don't know. We'll find out what's going on tonight on SmackDown, obviously, and how things move forward. Bailey full on Hill. I think that we are going to get a rematch at Helm Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't be upset about it. I'm not opposed to it. I want to see how Charlotte as a face reacts to it. Uh, we know that Cher was introduced to something, and Charlotte was able to get the uh, big boot in on that chair. Her gather was a little crazy with just her heels. And uh, going down the ramp. But, man, she was ready for it once she got balanced, right? She cheered beautifully. And, um, yeah, it was a good segment. I'm pretty sure it was an excellent tag match. Take nothing away from Bliss and Cross. These guys are, well, these girls or these women, how are we going to call it? They're the women's tag team champions for a reason. But I am glad that the first ever women's tag team champions who literally fought through the elimination chamber from basically like what number one or number two to 
you know, eventually win those championships for the first time ever. And they went in there and they're looking like one of the stronger uh, women's tag teams, period, in the story. So uh, if they ever wanted them back, I'm pretty sure they could fight for them to get them back. Man, we've gotten a lot of uh, three-man groups. Well, I'm going to say a lot. But we've gotten the OC with the championship and the tag championships. We've got Kofi in the New Day with the World Heavyweight Championship and the Tag Team Championships. What if Becky and Sasha, Becky and Sasha, pardon me, Bailey and Sasha are running around with the Women's Championships and the Women's Tag Team Championships? I mean, two-woman power trip? That's a first ever now. It's a first ever now. I'm I'm not saying that's what should happen. I'm just saying we got a couple of women's tag teams that is still, you know, uh, still out there, still forming. I know we're going to have some changes uh, coming up with NXT this week. Maybe we'll see some women's tag teams there. We know the women's tag team championships can be defended on any brand. We know we're going to be seeing some main roster superstars over at Full Sail for a little while or however it's scripted. So we're going to see. Just throwing it out there, though. But all in all, good match, I'm sure. And uh, good growth on everyone's part. So it had to have been a good segment. All right, Lacey Evans takes on Dana Brooke. I was happy about that just because I like Dana Brooke getting opportunities. I want to see her continue to grow as a WWE superstar and get better as she goes along. And um, uh, Lacey Evans is clearly practicing in the ring. Lacey definitely had all of the chops, though, for that match. So the ass kicking was almost imminent. Dana came with it, had a little bit to go in there with it, had some moves and offense. But Lacey was too strong, and the women's right hit, and she's clearly got a little bit of a rivalry with Natalia. Great reason to continue practicing with him and make the matches somewhat mean something. So I like that. I'm happy that, uh, like I said, Lacey is able to, you know, really get in there and do a thing. So she's getting the opportunity and she locked in that sharpshooter, and it's like basically her sharpshooter is better than Natty's. Huh. That should be interesting. I know she had a little bit of a different type of turn, and then she got down on one knee with it. So it was like, oh, wow. Like, uh, very good stuff. You know, it, we, we could see some, uh, you know, some, some great in-ring competition from those two. Plus a little bit of the catfight element, so I'm excited to see how that works. But we will see how the uh, WWE decides to develop the storyline with them. But, yeah, all in all, good good, good stuff on Lacey. And it was great to see Dana Brooke. Can't wait to see her really uh, pick up some victories on TV TV, you know. But um, I know she's definitely doing her thing over on Main Event. All right, Universal Champion Seth Rollins takes on Robert Roode. Uh, wins by DQ. Um whole bunch of craziness happened. I believe the OC came out and beating up on Seth. This brings out Mayor Jacobs, but he's definitely in Demon Kane mode. So awesome. Great stuff from uh, the mayor. But as, uh, you know, Kane is about to do his, you know, in-ring fire pyro thing, which is always, you know, dope because, I mean, the Knox County crowd was just excited for that they enjoyed that 
And uh, yeah, as soon as he's about to do it, lights go out. All of the music goes and it's funny sound effects. And the fiend appears, takes out Kane, and uh, goes and uh, taunts Seth as Seth is in the corner to go off of the air, which had, uh, uh, you know, the little Firefly Funhouse theme song in the graphic doing all of the, you know, weird stuff that uh, everyone has come to love about it. So that was Monday Night Raw, folks. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. I thought it flowed by. Moving into Hell in a Cell now. What is that? About three weeks out. So uh, there's not as much time to build as last time, but I'm totally excited for how all of these matches are uh, to be developed uh, leading up to the event in three weeks, streaming live on the WWE Network. So... All of that, shout out to everybody bringing the podcast each and every week. I will catch you guys tomorrow for SmackDown Live. Peace.